It is Thursday, the 13th of November, 2020. Uh, it's going to be a far more lousy show than usual today as I have nothing prepared. I've done a grave disservice to my four listeners, and for that, I'm sorry. On the flip side, though, the Masters is today. Dudes all over the place are going fucking berserk, and rightfully so, I must say. The joy, the splendor, all that other shit. Uh, All that and more on episode 49, the Tim Wakefield episode. Guy didn't post an ERA and a four during the last eight years of his career. Incredibly reliable, but isn't that like the extent of it, really? It's it's about it, right? Uh, 19 years in the league, too. It's not bad. I mean, I wish I had more to say about him, but... uh, Vote it. This is Complaints and Observations. The greatest podcast hosted by someone who knows so precious little about eh, almost everything. A journey into the mediocre mind of an exceptionally average person. This is Complaints and Observations with Dave LaPointe. I have a, there's a tingling in my trousers and it's not a good one. I'm getting tired of sucking. This is bogus. This is atrocious. Call a technical on him! They put away a lot of beer by the time they figure this one out. That's why I'm drinking light beer for most. Not only does light taste great, but it's got a third less calories than their regular beer. And it's less filling. Hey, what's going on here? Who the hell is Dave LaPointe? I'm thoroughly enjoying making um, the intro, like playing with with audio. Way more fun than I thought it would be. I mean, I'm probably breaking all kinds of copyright laws and other bullshit, but uh, it's fun. It's fun to put together. Uh, Evan's little uh, thing in the beginning about uh, tingling in his trousers just makes me fucking laugh every time. Uh, and then I, I spent way too much time this morning on YouTube and totally forgot that Tommy Heinsohn did Miller Lite commercials in the 70s and 80s. I mean, the 70s, obviously, I didn't see, but uh, the ones in the 80s, I, I remember uh, pretty well. There's a great one of him and Bob Uecker looking for uh, Haley's Comet in 1986. I remember that commercial vividly. Weird, huh? Anyway. Uh, but yeah, Tommy Heinsohn, what a bummer. I mean, look, the guy was 86. He had a hell of a run. He lived a an incredibly full life. Uh, and very interesting guy. Um, heard Mike Gorman talk about him the other day. And uh, you could really tell that I, Mike Gorman, I think he seemed, uh, you know, he was sad, obviously, because his friend passed away. Uh, but you could see it was almost a sense of relief. And what he said was that the last couple of months have been very difficult for Tommy. So it was, you know, that's kind of what happens when you turn 86. You know, these things are going to happen when you get to that age because, uh, you know, it's just what happens uh, in life, unfortunately. So, and it's funny because I heard uh, Fred Toucher on uh, Touch and Rich this morning talking about Sean Connery. Like, 
complaining about how people kept saying, oh, it's fucking 2020. This year sucks. All these people are dying. And his point was, well, Sean Connery was 90. He had dementia for the last three years. Like, that's no way to live. Like, that's not, you shouldn't even be alive. It sucks. And he's a thousand percent right. But, you know, it allows you to kind of go back and, 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 you know, look at things and appreciate a person's uh, impact on your life. And again, it's interesting because it seemed with, with Alex Trebek where, you know, this guy was in your house constantly every night. Tommy Heinsohn, you know, you know, you think about him, and and uh, if you're into sports and you're into the Celtics, the guy was in your house, uh, you know, eight months out of the year, seven months out of the year, and uh, you know, making you laugh and making you think, and being uh, he was very good at commentary. And and the thing is, he was he's a Hall of Fame player, Hall of Fame coach. He's been broadcasting for forty years. He did national broadcasts from, you know, in the 70s uh, and in the 80s. And then he, you know, he's with the Celtics for 40 years doing broadcasts. And it's like, how the hell is he not in the Hall of Fame for that? Yeah, weird. It's too bad that they didn't think of that, you know, before he died. Could have put him in. He could have enjoyed that too. But, I mean, I, I assume posthumously he'll he'll get in. Because now the NBA will feel bad that they didn't get him in before he died. But yeah, so I, you know, it's interesting to kind of go back and look at, and watch some of the highlights to games that that he did and yelling at the refs and stuff. And so I, I pulled a bunch of those clips. I had, I must have had, I, th- I think I I called about five or six different clips that were funny. But those kind of putting them together in that string, and then the Miller Light commercial was just ugh, like that thing is perfect. Those commercials were so good. The ad company who who created the Miller Lite ads, just brilliant, you know. It's, again, I love advertising. I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's not, it's not even just adver- not advertising per se. It's you know creating uh, various ad campaigns and, and and things like that. But you know, someday, someday, uh, one of these days, I'm going to meet somebody who owns a company and and. We're gonna talk commercials and be like, look, I'll I'll come up with a with a great commercial for you for free. For free. My limited abilities can have it for nothing. Yeah. Anyways, so rest in power, Tommy. Thank you so much. You've meant you meant a lot to a lot of people, so thank you. Appreciate it. I'm sure a lot of other people appreciate it too. Um, I mentioned my buddy Evan. Evan, uh, the second half of the wonderful interview that Evan and I did um, will be coming up later on. It's going to start out rather abruptly talking about how America needs to to slow down its drinking. (laughs) Very interesting. Very, very interesting enjoyable i was listening to it again this morning so i hope you i hope you enjoyed the the first one the first half and i hope you enjoy the second half so um we'll see if you did let me know because i'd really love to have evan back on the show at some point i'm sure i will just because i like to talk to him and i don't really care what uh, you know what you want because it's my show see that it doesn't make a ton of sense right 
Uh, anyways, the Masters start, started this morning with a shit ton of rain. So I'm sure the course will be in tremendous shape come this afternoon. Uh, from ready, ready, it's going to be very cloudy off and on today. A little bit of sprinkles and whatnot, and it's supposed to clear up by the end of the weekend. But tomorrow uh, might be uh, another wet day. So we'll see. Uh, the first thing I did read was Bryson DeSlambro. Uh, with a, a three-wood off the tee at 10 and carried it 320 yards in the air. I'm like, fuck this guy. Goddamn fucking Hercules playing golf, for Christ's sakes. I mean, what what's with this dude? He's weird and he's jacked. It's unfair. Uh, although I find the, the golf establishment, the way that they look at him, I find that very, very interesting and very funny because it's... You know, oh, he can't, he shouldn't be doing that. I can't believe he can do that. can't believe he ate a ton of fucking food, got fat and jacked, and now can crush the ball a mile. Oh, weird, huh? Same, same fucking weird-ass swing with his weird-ass clubs. But I don't know. Look, uh, I hope he, I hope he does well. I hope he wins this thing just to fucking piss people off. Because it's funny. But as of... Uh, right now, when you're recording, it is roughly uh, 11.30. Uh, Xander Shoffley has just taken the, the the lead here early in the first round. Uh, over 62-year-old Larry Mize, who's one shot back after six. Fucking Larry Mize, he's 60-fucking-two. It's very funny. Get a kick out of it with the old guys fucking... Get out there and start slinging. That's what happens when you win this tournament. They invite you back every year. It's very interesting. Um, you know, the establishment at this place. I mean, we can get into that if you want, but it's kind of, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, Xander Shoffley. My, my poor brother wanted to put money on Shoffley, and um, this morning he told me at, like, I don't know, 7.03. They teed off at, at 7.00. So the, the book took it off. So I couldn't put sh- money on Shoffley to win. Of course, here he is. Three birdies. First three holes. No good. No good. But uh, I played a few. I, I played. I, I have John Rahm as like my, my guy to win. Of course, John Rahm two over after three. Because that's how my luck, you know, is. Um. But I played a you know handful of long shots. Tony Finau to to win. Uh, to, I'm sorry to finish in the top ten. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this plays out uh, without without supporters, without fans again. But honestly, uh, this place it's it's typically they only let like forty thousand people in. So it's not like a raucous crowd by any means. So, you know, you would think that it would be somewhat quiet. And you hear a lot of these guys saying, well, it's not going to be the same without the fans. Listen, one of my absolute dreams in life is to um, play 18 holes on a nice course by myself, 
without fans. <laughs> without fans. Because <laughs> typically when I play golf, I have a gallery following me around, right? You fucking numb nuts. What's the matter with you? Uh, without just, not just fans, but just anybody around. Uh, all by myself on this course. Four to five hours of silence, solitude, and putting massive divots all over the place. And I'd shoot a 59. All right, so as promised, here is the uh, second half of my interview with my uh, dear friend, Evan Glasser, the uh, co-founder of Newt Tools. I uh, hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, if you do, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Um, but yeah, here it comes. Well, commercial first and then, uh, then that. But be patient. You can skip the commercial if you want. I don't really care. But I have to put it in here. So, yeah, already. I, I think that, like, you know, America needs to dial back on its drinking. And I mean, the fact that, like, you can't, for example, advertise smoking, and like, smoking is somehow like this. Like, it's like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, you know, like I get it. Like, smoking does cause cancer, but like, it's been, it's become like the. And like, I obviously am not in. Like, I don't smoke. I don't. Yeah. I'm not endorsing tobacco. But what I am saying is like, I'm sorry, but like, it is pretty similar to, to, to alcohol. And it's like at some point, it's like you know, you get, you get. I've seen mates of mine who are like, dude, I feel vilified <laughs> sometimes for smoking. You know. Here's the thing. My relationship with smoking, I, I hate smoking. Hate it. I hate. And I honestly, I don't know why, but I hate it. It's it's the one thing about my wife that I literally cannot stand is that she smokes. It no, drives. She smokes? Oh my god! Yeah. Oh shit! I didn't know that. My wife has been smoking since she was like, I think she said eleven. So I mean, oh, she's shit. She's been smoking yeah, for she's thirty proper, some she's odd years. South Shore. Oh, it's gross. I mean, honestly, it's. I find the entire practice revolting. I always have. I think I always will. The like the smell, the look, everything. I don't know where it came from. Was my my dad smoked like all you know growing up? My grandmother smoked. I don't know what it is about it, but for whatever reason, it just I find it just so incredibly disgusting. But and do you think that like you think that you should be allowed as an adult to smoke if you want? You sure should. But you know what else? I I think that the government should be allowed to tax the fuck out of it. Oh and, sure. And, you know what? To me. Every single vice should be taxed to the fucking hilt. Yeah, I agree you know? with that. Tax the fuck out of it, you know? That's right. Decriminalize everything. Tax the shit out of it. And then, you know, I say spend the money wisely, but we all know that wouldn't happen. But Well, fucking Colorado, dude. Uh, oh, my God. The public school. The amount of money that Colorado has made. absolutely terrific. Yeah. Like, the, Some of their the, school the districts have too much. State. Some of them yeah, have really, too yeah. much money. So now they're building home. They're, now they're fighting the homeless. The That's homeless right. Problem. It's amazing. It's absolutely, it's and incredible. Why? Why? From because illegal substance. Yeah. They had, they had they the fucking monopoly. Right. They had the monopoly on legal weed. So you had people coming from all over the fucking country to spend money in their state. Yeah, legit, legit, and, legit. And they spent shit tons of money. A good, good friend of mine, uh, a guy that I used to work for. He actually is uh, a former college uh, a buddy, roommate with John Hickenlooper, 
who was the yeah, no way what yeah the governor what, the yeah, governor yeah, yeah. of Colorado. So you know this was like right it's around the time John Hickenlooper. It's a, what a tremendous name. name. Yeah. Uh, right around the time, right after they had legalized uh, marijuana, and you know this guy was like you know John is not he's he's the last person that he ever thought would would be into to marijuana. He's never smoked marijuana. Like he just understood that it was the kind of thing that didn't need to be, uh, you know, demonized, if you will. And yeah. he saw it as a way to to make a shit ton of revenue. Oh my and that's God. exactly what and, happened. And, and they weren't too greedy, man. Like you got no. like the government in Massachusetts and the government in California, especially, is just like the taxes that they've levied on it. Like, you know, I, I understand what you're saying when you say tax the shit out of it, but you don't want to tax the shit out of it too much because then it becomes like un, untenable. You know what I'm saying? And then you miss but, your market. But will it though? If it's, it's a vice, people are going to want it, you know? And if so they... something like cigarettes, I would say tax the shit out of it because cigarettes, it's not possible for cigarettes really to go black market anymore. You know what I'm saying? We no, don't. You're hand, probably like, right. You be careful with it. Because I, I just, like cigarettes is like like all right, where's like fucking what like fucking what's it like uh Paul Moore isn't gonna start fucking <laughs> putting on a fucking leather jacket and standing on the street corner, fucking offering to sell children fucking single cigarettes for like you know, yeah. five bucks. I mean no, I mean that's not gonna happen. But like fucking you know, and this isn't this is this is just me talking from a pure government policy perspective. Like I don't give a fuck. Like don't tax it or tax it. Like I'm still gonna if but if it's too expensive, me personally, mm-hmm. I'm gonna still just go to the illegal people and buy that shit because those illegal people all of a sudden are operating on a much, much, much lesser level in the sense that like now this thing is actually legal. Mm-hmm. So it's rather than sort of like it being like, Man, you're trafficking drugs, now it's like, well, now you're just breaking sort of some kind of civil law. Sure. I'm sure there's more criminal shit with it as well. Still most but, likely. But like it just seems like it's just it's just less uh, it's just less intense. So like in terms you, of good government policy, you don't want to be too and that's just my opinion. You, no. you don't want to be too greedy with the taxes. And I certainly see your point. The other the counter to that is you, you're gonna see people that let's say uh, with cigarettes, you know, they, they can get the single single cigarettes from the guy in the leather jacket on the corner. But it's you know, it's a flimsy, uh, you know, shitty quality tobacco. Uh, he goes home and he's like, oh, I saved X number of dollars uh, buying this as opposed to, you know, going to the state dispensary and getting, you know, uh, a higher quality product. To me, that's a, uh, you know, because look, growing up, trying to score weed was uh, a, a not, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say a challenge. It wasn't a challenge. The challenge was finding weed that wasn't trash. That mm. was the challenge. Nowadays, and because of you know the the uh, the home grower industry, like a buddy of mine, his dad, in the backyard next to his fucking tomato plants, is growing nine foot fucking uh, cannabis plants, and his weed kills me. I can't smoke it because it literally kills me. It's it's just it's unbelievable this shit. Mm. But that quality compared to twenty years ago when I was trying to find it. Uh, is completely different. So to me, you're going to have the the government regulation on it. You're going to have, uh, you know, the the higher taxation on it. And the counter is that you're going to get you should. And here's the thing: you should get a better product if it's a mm. uh, a, a government regulated product. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy uh, home whiskey from some clown when I can buy it 
at the liquor store. You, you see what I'm saying? I, I don't even know mm. if I'm explaining it correctly, but to me, I think the quality would go down if you're buying it from these sub-level runners as opposed to buying it from the, the higher-taxed legal uh, entity, if you will. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I can like the, I, I can I see that that, both sides of the argument, though. Yeah, I think like in terms of like cigarettes and in terms of like stuff that is uh, highly processed, I suppose you could say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you were going to talk about doing that, for, say like heroin, for example, I would totally agree. You know, it's yeah. like look, like you know in order to get like a high level of heroin or good pure level of heroin, I mean, it's probably not that difficult per se, but if you can get some kind of like government agency essentially regulating that kind of heroin, you know, regulating the quantity, then I mean, as someone who doesn't necessarily do, oh, let's just say cocaine, for example, because that's something that I would consider doing, you know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Again, yeah. you know, assuming it was legal, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so if for example the government could get me fucking like extremely pure cocaine like right. yeah i'd pay i'd pay more for that than right. i would fucking pay some some dope on the side or you know if i could get a certain guaranteed number that i could be guaranteed was legal and i could never get in trouble for doing blah 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 then yeah right. i'd pay the extra thing for the government we and you don't know what different. you're getting you don't know what you're getting. Well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That, and that, I mean, but ideally, you know, if you're going to be, I mean, ideally, you know what your cocaine deal is about. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not going to. But well, let's, listen, let's not get, let's not get into the, let's not get into the, <laughs> let's not get into the coke deal, uh, yeah. coke, 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 coke dealer relationship because we can, because <laughs> that's a strange road to walk down, man. But my point being from this, uh, <laughs> from this, slide, I don't know how that, moment. yeah, it's quite the left yeah, turn we it, took there. Um, yeah, uh, uh, weed on the other hand, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, weed on the other hand, I think, or, or mar- marijuana rather on, on the other hand is like very much a, um, you know, they're these dudes that have just like spent their entire lives like growing weed and right. like, it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? So it's mm-hmm. like, it's a different process, like, like the growing to like the, uh, and it's a plant. So there's not really that much that actually needs to get synthesized in it. So like, if you're saying, okay, like, and this is what I'm talking about in Massachusetts, for example, right? So in Massachusetts, sort of the average sort of like medicinal, uh, let's just say, this is for people with a marijuana card, Mm. the average kind of ounce, roughly, give or take, is probably about like, you know, 250-ish Right. Dollars. And then commercial, you might even get that might even number might go up to 280, Mm -hmm. 300 even. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like you can know some good local grower who is just around the area, um, especially down in like the West Coast, like California, Mm -hmm. you know, who can grow absolutely fireweed, which is the same quality that the distributor or the medical person, even though it's government regulated, like what the fuck did the government know? You know what right. I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. you get cunts who have been doing this their entire lives, you know, yeah. and they just make these beautiful like plants. It's like this really strong shit. So, you know, if you, you know, if it's easy, it's an easy thing to do in, in a lot of different markets to get really high quality weed significantly cheaper than the price that the government's selling. So mm-hmm. it makes much more sense for someone who knows what they're doing to just say, fuck them. Like California, for example, man, like they just got so greedy with their taxes. Like they and they and that and what that does is is that ruins the whole thing because like and maybe that was deliberate 
You know what I'm saying? But I, I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm not. It wouldn't. To jump in there. I mean, it wouldn't surprise it, me. I, it wouldn't surprise me though yeah. the way that California operates, man. It's a it's a weird state. But yeah. like, so you get these people who you need people who would open dispensaries and then who just have to sell their weed for just ridiculously high prices. And then the the standard dude in California has been buying weed off some dude for the past twenty years anyway. Right. So it's like, well, maybe we'll it, go but, back to the dude I was yeah. buying shit off. And the guy that he's been buying from for twenty years has been has that level of experience that you said. I think it really depends on the market that you're at. Where, precisely. Yeah. Precisely, where yeah. in California, that's a year round, uh, you know, growing season. Whereas you know, here in uh, the South Shore of Massachusetts, you have a very short, you know, short window soil sucks it's you know rocky bullshit the fucking the pilgrims couldn't grow shit because the soil sucks so bad they needed the indians help uh, to teach them how to grow corn once that happened okay now they have corn but it completely different i think it matters where the market is and like you but your point is completely accurate because if if you're able to buy the same quality product from a guy you know that you've known and worked with for 20 years who has that level of experience that makes perfect sense. I can I can see that. There would have to be. I mean, I would imagine in, in California or, or down south, and in, in you know the Carolinas. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's legal down there, but it's another quality market in terms of growing. I would assume mm. where you can have that. Well, sort you're of forgetting about window. indoor shit, right? You're yeah, forgetting about yeah. the sort of stuff that I do. So like, there's right. you know there's greenhouses and there's you know there's temperature controlled areas, you know. So you know, growing, growing these days is, is, is pretty much year round. And like, you know, these days, like there's a lot of hydroponics, mm. uh, especially in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, but is that it's just like, it's just one of those markets, man. And you is know, that because, sorry, one of those products. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. are you seeing, are you seeing the, you said hydroponics in Massachusetts, is that because uh, of the climate here? So more people. Yeah. Are, precisely, yeah okay. Precisely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's better to be indoors. Yeah. You have a tiny growing season in Massachusetts, you know, it's right. quite, it's quite short. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're doing outdoors, you have that certain limited time, but you know, some people obviously do indoor, you know, personal stuff with soil. Um, and, but some people do hydroponics, like my business partner, Rob, this dude's an absolute genius. Like mm. he just like, uh, he just builds things like nobody's business. Yeah, uh, he's the one that's definitely the brains behind the uh, the, the old the old outfit. God, <laughs> God bless him. But yeah, man, I mean, it's that's just a fascinating. I mean, I love talking about this, man. Like, it's such an interesting, yeah. uh, it's an interesting topic. It's an interesting like industry. It's an interesting like you know. My thought, of, you know, of course, is the fact that like you know taxation on you know I think the fact that decriminalization of drugs, you know, like I think that that's you know you look at the countries where that's been successful, and and I think that you know that's just for sure the way forward. And I mean, I think that it will make a lot of, a lot of people very unhappy because a lot of people make a lot of money uh, off of the drug trade who might not necessarily be in the drug trade right. officially, but you know, right. are, are like essentially just like, uh, what do you call it? Um, what's the, what's the, what's the police accessories, mm. accessories to the drug trade, you know, through mm. whatever or another, you know, someone getting greased here or there and stuff like that as well. And like, you know, that money, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think that uh, a lot of people in very high places actually, get get paid money as a result of, of that thing yeah. uh, so it's sort of not necessarily in the interest to get but, but but you look at countries like switzerland and countries like um portugal for example who've decriminalized most of their most most hard drugs and uh you know especially portugal they saw a pretty significant uh drop in crime and surprisingly the devil the devil yeah. didn't appear and, and say and Weird. hell didn't suddenly you come know. out of the ground and everything catch fire but yeah that's a great example about Portugal. They have, uh, 
Your, your, your family's Portuguese, right? There is some Portuguese in there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. My mother, though, keeps she keeps raining on my parade as much as I love the Portuguese. <laughs> she keeps she keeps telling me that uh, that I'm more and more French and it just doesn't it's not something I'm I'm fond of. But um, I, I love that you brought up Portugal, though, and the way that they have decriminalized their drug. I mean, they're the, the uh, number of uh, drug related crimes like went way, way, way down. Mm. Um, and then obviously there was the uh, the global economic crash back in 08 and they had a lot of changes and I was reading an excellent article today about the Chinese investing a ton of money in Portugal. Like really, I don't know how that came up and how I stumbled upon this article, but I found it incredibly fascinating. Um, that really has nothing to do with what we were talking about, but, but this is how our, this eh? is how our I mean, conversations look, end up going. What, They're look very, at what China's know, doing. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and that, you know, no one, no one probably knows about that, you know, yeah. really. And, and, you know, we ignore it, you know, and this is sort of just interesting circling, you know, coming, coming back around to sort of America and sort of America in relation to other countries is, is some, one of the things that's like extremely frustrating for me as, as a, a person who, who is American and who's lived overseas in different countries is the fact that like, um, you know, a, a lot of the time, like America doesn't, um, America like doesn't, uh, I suppose, like recognize how important it is or the people in America don't always recognize how important it is on like a global scale. And in the sense of like being like, you know, they've created a world order yeah. that they fought for, for the past like 30 years against, uh, sorry, longer, 40, yeah, 50 longer. years against, against the Soviet Union. And they've created a world order and then all of a sudden they've stepped back from it. Uh, so, you know, when there was the, the Soviet Union to be worried about, America essentially was always there sort of backing up its, its backing up Europe, backing up investing, doing all kinds of stuff in order to maintain its alliances and in, in order to sort of like create this system and network against the Soviet Union. Yeah. But the minute the Soviet Union fell, all of a sudden there became, you know, less and less reason for America to really be looking after these things to the same level other than just for regular profit. Mm. And, well, and that's systems, right. Yeah. That I like the way that you yeah. put that for profit. You had yeah. the, you, the private sector recognized a, uh, a, a, a vast new market. Which yeah, is the same and way they looked at was yeah, born, yep, you know? and it looked at the you know the same way that that a lot, the private sector look at looked at the Chinese market back in the day, and now right, it's all, exactly. all it's all of a sudden coming back around where they they vilified China for some weird reason. But look, uh, you know, I hate to break it to you, but you and your friends basically caused fucking China to become this massive global entity. I mean, you started buying oh, cheap yeah. cheap products from the Chinese, and next thing you know. Yeah. So now you're yeah. mad at China for, for being successful? I mean, look, okay, it's a communist country. I get it. They're shitty when it comes to human rights and the way that they treat uh, a variety of people. But, you know, most people in the, uh, in the private sector don't seem to give two shits about that as long as they can turn a profit uh, yep. on their own business. So, yeah. No, yeah, look, and it's, it's something that we had to deal with actually back at New was sort of the concept of like, hey, like, like when we were starting off, we couldn't afford to buy American. Yeah. Yeah. Still can't. Mm. You know, which is a, which is not an issue with with us in per se. That it's an issue with America. You yeah. know, like like you know, there needs to be subsidized or there needs to be some form or another where where you can like encourage. You know, there there needs to be some system for entrepreneurs to be able to start up a manufacturing business within the U.S. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we're screwed. Yeah, because all the new manufacturing, uh, all the new ideas, and everything's going to be built outside and then brought right. back into America if you're lucky. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? So, you know, there's got to be some kind of, whether it be just sort of some form of like, you know, factory unions almost, maybe lots of small, maybe lots of small companies get together or, then, you know, there's companies that essentially help. There needs to be some form of, of innovation within our manufacturing as, you know, sector. But but you hit the nail on the head, man. You know, globalism is, is, is just like cold, hard, uh, cold, hard, like profit being like yeah. the underlying factor. And, and unfortunately, like, you know, we don't necessarily look at like long because because it's not inter- because shareholders aren't interested particularly in long term consequences. You know, you're really looking for like you know quarterly profit. That's right. And then you know uh, you know obviously the smart companies do do look at that. And you look at like for example like Bezos now is you know I do not respect this man, but I do you know. But and actually this might be an interesting question to pose to you because like. Jeff Bezos is doing this crazy thing where he's like essentially making sure that Amazon is going to be like neutral, you know, carbon neutral carbon by neutral. twenty by twenty twenty five or whatever yep. his twenty thirty yep. or something like that. Mm. So the question is, is like you know that's the biggest conglomerate in the whole world, man. Like you know, that company makes more money than than a lot of countries, if not you know a significant portion of countries. Yep. Um, if he suddenly starts pushing his network of supplies that means that means that means like you know that means everyone's going to have to go green so this man who i look at the way he's built his company by treating his employees like absolute garbage by underpaying people by you know destroying local business blah 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 you know if this man manages to make everything carbon neutral and bring us all sort of off and get into a point where you know global warming can can, and obviously this is you know my political opinion here yeah global warming but in order to sort of help the the planet like does that mean that it was all worth it <laughs> wow you know? but no that's a interesting way to look at it hmm. he's an interesting character jeff bezos and it's funny because amazon as well as they've done they're still a relatively small percentage of the actual retail sales in the country i want to say it's something like three percent or something like that. it's it's obnoxiously small in the grand scheme of things. However, it's that 3% is, I think, double their next competitor, which I think is Walmart. So, I mean, 3%. They have a lot of money. Yeah, it'd be a shit ton of money. But in, in, in like, in like they, do, they do like, you know, it's really their like big data services. You know, their I mean, that's the other thing too. All their money. Yeah. Web, yeah, AWS has fucking shot up like cool. a, like a goddamn yeah. cannon so aws then all of their their logistics network it also has been moving product for think about uh, how much america shops dude like, oh, like we are literally designed as americans to consume things like from the day yeah. you're out of the fucking womb yeah, yeah. you're literally blasted <laughs> especially now fucking, oh my god yeah. i mean christ oh, when dude. i when i was a kid you know growing up in the 80s like we didn't have fucking any like, like information took forever if I Did wanted I to tell you that story about, sorry to interrupt you. No, that's all right. Continue. Sorry, man. I just no, sort of no. got a thought. It, just my point was that information took forever. If I wanted to know something, I literally needed to either uh, go into the basement and sift through the, the set of encyclopedias from 1965 or uh, get on my bicycle and ride to the library and sort <laughs> through their encyclopedias from 1985. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the, the, the difference is huge. Where, you know, and obviously uh, it was, and I, I read something, it was a meme today. It was something like, um, you know, uh, what was it? Gen Zers have TikTok. Gen, Gen Xers had, or Gen Y had uh, like MySpace. 
or but the way that it was is like the different generations had different weird things right but then the last one was baby boomers had uh a home a pension uh you know a a lifetime of uh vacations on a minimum wage salary so it's like okay wow holy shit what a fucking difference but it's weird how that has worked out and the way that things have gone and now like you said where we're bred to consume constantly yeah minute we come yeah, out i mean it's interesting hey eh? you yeah. know what were you like, gonna say what was your story oh right yeah um this is more back yeah this, i mean i thought yeah this is a nice little anecdote I thought, but, but i did have another thing to answer to your thing too but but my father told me a story like when he was when he was like on a when he was doing his masters and he took the 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 um the trans-siberian railroad oh, all the way right? across down and, and went down into east germany wow uh Oh, sorry, into 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 East Berlin. Yeah, and then he and then you know he told me all the stories about how you know he was in the uh, he was on the train and this like Russian babushka came in during this period of time and just closed the blinds, and you know was sort of he couldn't see he couldn't yeah. see what was going on out the window. So, you know, fascinating, uh, fascinating trip he said. But he wow. said that the minute he stepped over the border, you know, when the minute he went into West Berlin, mm-hmm. uh, it was like getting hit in the face with advertisements. Yeah. And he suddenly realized that, like, you know, that, that, that it was like, you know, in the Soviet Union, there was a chocolate one and chocolate two. You know, there was no, like, you know, there was no, like, branding or anything because it was all state-owned, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. Or if, if, if there even was two chocolate, I mean, obviously, I'm sure there was. There was definitely more than two vodkas. Yeah, but, wow. like, you know, party vodka, you know. Uh, but, but, like, uh, but he said he stepped over in, across the border into, into, West, into West Berlin and it was just like, it was like he was physically assaulted by the advertisements. And he wow, what a cool, what a, what a cool trip. How old was Interesting. he? Interesting. He was, uh, Must he have been was like, probably like, probably like in his, probably like my age. University, he was still in university at the time? Yeah, he, he did, he did his PhD, so. Oh, jeez. I think he probably, think I he probably would that. have been, um, yeah, he's a smart, he's a smart guy. He, he, uh, I he do did know his PhD that, yeah. at the Australian National University. Oh. Uh, which is not the best university, but he's, but he's great. Yeah, he's been a great role model throughout throughout my life to look up to mm. um bloody saint you've, you've, <laughs> I've, as i've as i've told you you have and multiple uh, times he gets to tell all of his uh you know scholarly friends that uh you know his son in america is a uh, recruiter for a as a recruiter <laughs> yeah, real, real <laughs> business owner a small business owner small business owner sketchy, Forget about sketchy that. business owner that's right <laughs> <laughs> well, my son is a stoner. He just uh, sells. Uh, my son, you know, my son really likes talking about weed. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I forgot what you were saying before. Actually, yeah. No, we're really. Oh, this is a. This is how our conversations always end up. It just it's very yeah. circuitous. It goes, winds in and out, and talks about twenty thousand different things, and we lose our train of thought. That's why I enjoy yeah. talking to you. It's uh, it's, it's incredibly fascinating. Uh, but I, I don't. I, I don't want to uh, to keep you all night long. So, um, yeah, well, I appreciate that. I want to. Obviously, I've got things to do. <laughs> you obviously do. You're you're a single man in, in the city in your late twenties. You have with a yeah. with a ten a ten a ten p.m. Co- uh, <laughs> ten p.m. curfew. <laughs> That's yeah, right. It's a lot to do. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Yeah. Um, I have so. You know, I'm heartbroken I, I, for the businesses, by the way. Like this is it. This is this is this is the death knell. I don't think you so. Know? I, you know, honestly, I don't think You're so. Okay? I, I I think, and and you know what? I I've had the opportunity to meet the governor multiple times before he was the governor. 
okay? Oh, really? Did In he, a variety of functions. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, and he was uh, he was not a politician by any means. Very, uh, he was a nice guy. I, I became very friendly with uh, a state rep down in Plymouth when I was working for uh, the baseball team. And so uh, there were a couple of functions where this guy would have Charlie come in uh, prior to his elect, you know, being elected. And so, you know, it was, the conversations were always very, they just felt, you know, like normal conversations. They weren't very political. He had, you know, opinionated, uh, did not really seem to, it wasn't as if he was out shaking hands and kissing babies trying to, to win votes. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that the guy has really, really thought this through to try to find uh, solutions that are best, not just for uh, the general public as a whole, but also for the business community. And it, the current thing with this 930 business, I really think that he probably wanted to cut it to you know maybe like eight o'clock if you if you're being if if I had to guess, but I think he you know struggled with it because the way that that they've talked about how the cases have gone up, it hasn't been from uh, the restaurants and the bars and things like that. It's been from the uh, the large gatherings that you know stupid college kids have been having, uh, <laughs> and, and yeah. you know and you know. Uh, Halloween parties because I'm sure we're going to see another spike after you know a bunch of dipshits had uh, Halloween. I'm pretty parties. sure actually I did. I'm pretty sure I actually got COVID from the from a bar. I kissed some I kissed some girl on on St. Patty's Day and yeah. the day after I was fucking couple couple days after I had it. So I no think shit. I was like the Tuesday. Yeah, I mean I'm yeah. like I'm not 100 percent sure I had it, but like yeah. I had it. You know what I mean? You like, had uh, something. I had something and and it wasn't normal. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, so it's, it's just like, you know, I don't know, mate, like, I, I think, I, I think it's but, the but, best but of interested. a bad situation. I think. Yeah. I think, I think you, I think you're right. My sort of thought is, and, and again, like, you know, I've been talking with some people and, 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 um, you know, you've already seen bars like, you know, the Lear, um, you know, poor house, oh, a ton of greedies, them. all of those bars yeah. are now closed and never right. opening again. You know yeah. what I mean? Which is like, you know, heartbreaking on one hand but on the other hand as well like you know the bar scene in boston was getting a little bit you know comfortable with itself like yeah. i feel like because of the way that liquor licenses are and how difficult it is like they just can kind of like they get to a point and they rest on their loins and there's no more innovation and, and, and that's that, always bad man yeah absolutely it's always bad and and i think the other part of it is that the you know the the commercial property landlords the way that they were crushing these businesses with their uh with their rents uh they were operating on razor thin uh margins so margins I mean, yeah exactly. they weren't making yeah, exactly. they were making enough to stay open uh and then you know but again the business chose to be in these particular locations uh the business in that in that to me if you want to open a bar you know obviously want to be in a place where people are going to go to the bar but an example that I like to use is there was an Irish bar over by Northeastern, Connor Larkins. You don't know if you ever. I know Connor yeah. Larkins. I went Connor there Larkins. a lot. Yeah. So Connor Larkins was a college bar, right? It was also a fucking shithole. Yeah. Right. That is very true. So you're not gonna if if ever comes a time where the school's not open, 
people that live in the neighborhood aren't going to frequent your bar because it's a shithole. So you can't have it both ways. Do you want it to be a college bar where you're selling $2 drafts all the time and making money? Or did you want to have both where you're going to have if something were to happen? Or if you, if you just respect your business enough mm. that you fucking clean the floors every now and again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that to me, like yeah. I don't have I can't I feel bad and on on you know one hand, but on the other hand, I don't feel bad. You treated your business like a shithole. Yeah. And when something when something happened, you weren't ready for it. You could not adapt. Yeah. So you die, and that's what happened. And that's capitalism, Either, I suppose. That's right. Yeah, you, that's an argument. I think I think yeah. that's right. You know, I I think that there is a there is a point to that, you know. I, um you adapt yeah. or you die. There's no, yeah. there's no gray there. And there's a lot yeah, of businesses man. that we've seen that have done just that. They've adapted and they've managed, some have managed to do even better than they were beforehand. So, I mean, it's a matter of taking the challenge and, and seeing, for, seeing it for what it is. Look, this is something that my business is going to have to deal with if I want to continue to be in business. Like, I know McGreevy's, I read the story, like, McGreevy's, the guy, you know, the guys that own McGreevy's, they're fucking rich guys anyway. What the fuck yeah, do they care? Dropkick Murphy's. Yeah. Or one of the dudes from the Dropkick One of the guys, Murphy's, you know, yeah. nice guy, another nice guy. Uh, in fact, I actually met Charlie Baker at McGreevy's one time. Uh, All right. Story. Yeah, because they're chummy. Ken Casey from, from uh, Dropkick Murphy's and Charlie Baker, they're friends. Really odd. Well, odd like, combo. I, I think like, I think like the, I think like the, uh, you know, I I agree with you uh, in in theory, I suppose. Yeah. In practice, I'm not sure how far that that. And that's that and that's the thing. And I I acknowledge that, but again, I've seen a lot of businesses that have actually done. They've made changes to their business in order to to survive. I keep saying that this whole thing is a bump in the road. It's granted, it's going to be a year, year and a half, two years long for for a bump. But it's not. We're not going to be in this forever. It's going to come to an end at some point. It's just. It's how you manage. You know your business, your life, your relationships, everything during that period of time is going to determine what and how you are when we come out of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think that. Um, you know, I, I do see. I do agree with you. I think that, like, you know, to some extent, personal responsibility is often like shirked by by Americans, especially, and they kind of like always looking, and myself included. You know, like I'm not trying to, you know, holier than thou. Like, fuck responsibility, man. <laughs> That's <laughs> terrible. Um, but like, as men and as like, you know, human beings, I suppose is actually a better way of saying that. But like, it's up. To, I feel like, you know, in my opinion, like at some point or another, like the people that hide from responsibility are, are sort of like young you know, or scared and, and fuck it, man. Like, you know, I'm, I'm young and scared, but, but at some point or another, you know, I've decided to turn around and face this. Right. And so, yeah. you know, I agree, you know, uh, within, within, you know, within like a system, you know, people complain about, people complain about big, big industry. People complain about globalism. Like we were talking about earlier. People complain about government. People complain and complain and complain. But at the end of the day, they're all there because of people. You know, you know what I'm saying? So it's yep. up to people to change it. Yeah. That being said, you know, at the same time, like I said, in theory, that's all well and good. But in practice, that sort of philosophy can lead you into a pretty cold, cold society. Yep. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the yeah. question becomes, you know, if you look at it from purely a perspective, a perspective of, of, of profit, then mm -hmm. absolutely, you know, like that makes, it makes perfect sense. But like, if you look at it as a perspective of like, Hey, like, you know, uh, what kind of society do we want to be? Do we want to, do we want to be a society that, that, that essentially believes that, uh, you know, we should be, uh, I suppose like, letting by essentially like creating some form of like you know uh money focused social darwinism or you know and these people all have these businesses and these businesses all employ people and all those people who they employ have children and you know fathers yep. and mothers and they might be needing right. them to and support it you know here's here's my thing like my my empathy for these people is totally different than you know my what i said about adapting or dying like i feel terrible for all those people that you just mentioned, the, the, the guy who just pumped, you know, 30 years of his life into his business and now his business is dead. And now, you know, him and his wife have to move and uh, they can't pay the kids college bill or whatever that like that stuff to me, those are, those are two different pieces of the pie. Cause I mean, I, I can, I can certainly right. see so you, the point. Yeah. Right. So you would, so you would say essentially, okay, like, right. So like, you know, if the business fails, the business fails, but for the, but that's the, that's where it stops because at that point it's the government's responsibility to step in and essentially say, Hey, like, you know, we don't want you to, we don't want you to not have to be able to, you know, we don't want you to go bankrupt. We're going to provide you with like financial, something. financial assistance there has, something. to me, there had to be some sort of structure put into place to avoid uh, a lot of these problems. So you see what happened in, you, you mentioned Germany earlier, the way that they've handled this thing is that, uh, you know, look, don't go to work, but the government's going to pay you 70% of your salary so that you don't have to go to work. Uh, the government's going to, you know, rent freeze for, uh, for commercial rents for restaurants and theaters and things like that. There has to me, there had to be something put into place to prevent uh, chaos, which is what which is what we're gonna, you know, see here. I think by the end of this thing is it's gonna be a fucking disaster. That's my point. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's why I said that at the beginning of this sort of segment, so to speak, that I think that this is like the death knell. Maybe not in Massachusetts. I actually would be very interested to learn like where Massachusetts spends its tax revenue, because like to be quite candid with you, like Boston especially is just like an absolute in terms of its infrastructure. Like is not good. Like I mean, it's not well, like the roads are a, are a joke. You, the bridges, you, like you know, where does the money old? go? Who the fuck? The, the public knows? transport is like the garbage. They literally, yeah, it looks garbage. like they literally, they had like a 1940s tram car and thought, you know what, what, what we we should do? Let's replace that 1940s tram car with a uh, 2006 tram car. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, like, what do you like, like? And I, I think some of the issues with the fact that, like, legitimately, the the tracks are so old. They privatized they, it. They, yeah, mate. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's such a, uh, it's such like a well, like, I mean, I get taxed a fair, a fair bit, you know, yeah, obviously, you know, sure. and, and I'm just curious as to where that goes, where it because goes. like, because like, you know, I don't necessarily see the benefits of it. No, I mean, at especially least, in, the at city. Least in the infrastructure, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yep. And like, no, absolutely. you know, the tea they, is still a mess. It's gross. Uh, He's terrible. The trains aren't good. I mean, the trains are fine, but like you look at like, for example, Europe trains, oh Asian God. trains. Whole, it, that's a whole different. A whole, like there's just such a level above and trains right. are such great ways of getting around. Getting around. Thank you. And that's all yeah. the thing, you know, it's one of those things that I've always wondered, like 
How the fuck have we screwed this up so and bad? And we like pioneered trains. That's like the America first, was like the, the first fucking, subway in the world yeah, was in pioneered. Boston, Massachusetts. Like, what the fuck happened? Legit, right. I know. What happened? Yeah. Why did we suddenly be like, ah, oh, you know what? Nah. Because we used to fucking, we used to fucking like understand that <laughs> like it was about like, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just going to do a quick pitch of throw in here because of this book that I read and I'm, I'm going to love it. But essentially, I think that the, uh, the government has not worked for the people for a very long time and that's both sides of the aisle. Yeah, that's not just that's not me being nope. partisan here. No, and you are fucking ten thousand percent correct. Bro, there's no interest in in investing in the country because no. there's no you know, what there's for? No money for special interests. That's yeah, right. yeah. What it's for? crazy, man. Exactly. Uh, reading this really interesting book, you really like it. I actually, did I, I think I talked to you about that the, uh, the other day when we were grabbing. I think you did uh, too, and I think it's still yeah. in my uh, Amazon. I got it. Amazon. It's still in my Amazon shopping cart. Hey. Yeah, I haven't bought it yet. Maybe I'll. There's another. There's a new uh, book site. I think it's like bookshelf.org are you are you still reading sapiens uh yeah i am i I just finished chapter two (laughs) nice yeah yeah i'm a terrible reader i'm such a slow no it's not i'm a slow reader i'm a horribly slow reader well that's i do that's why i do the uh, the book on tapes yeah i can just listen to it i listen to it while i'm doing my uh my my sales work my my, like uh, uh, admin and shit my focus would would not be i would start doing twenty thousand other things so that's why if I if I'm not sitting down and actually reading the book, we're, we're supposed to go on vacation in, in a few weeks. So I'm very excited. Oh, I, have, nice. I have two books that I have that I'm going to read. That's one of them. So I'm, I'm looking forward awesome. to that. Yeah. All right. Wait, wait, wait where are you gonna go? Uh, we're going? We're going. We're going to Antigua. We're going to Antigua. As of right now, the country's still open. We're still able to actually go. Uh, so knock on wood that you know. In, in a few weeks, we're actually able to do that. So this is, we've been planning this for a couple of years. It's, we booked it a couple of years ago. So the fact that we're finally able to, to go, you know, fingers crossed. That's awesome, but, man. Well, congrats. Right. Thank you so much. Listen, I uh, am going to let you go. I want to do one thing. Yeah. In 30 seconds, I need you to tell my audience why they should get into rugby. Oh, shoot. Um, okay. Rugby is like football, but free flowing. There's no really annoying ad breaks. So you can pretty much just like watch a full game. There's a nice half time, so you can go get your pint refilled. Um, it's heavy contact. You know, it's sort of like a much better version of soccer, like much better, like extremely better, like no pads. Uh, and then um, the community around rugby is also absolutely terrific. Like, you know, everyone, you know, there's an expression like rugby is a, um, thugs game played by gentlemen and that sort of conveys into the crowd like sort of all the anxiety and stuff get worked out on the pitch and as a result like rugby fans are just like the best to drink with the best to party with you know all that kind of stuff so high you know it's just the best sport when it comes Love down it. to that to that sort of thing you know that's awesome what an ad we should we should what make an ad. A, we should make an ad that's but terrific. wait there's more order now <laughs> <laughs> listen uh Thanks Thank for you. having me on, man. This was really well, great. Thanks to speak for to you. coming. Yeah. I, I, as I've said, uh, I thoroughly enjoy our conversations. I, I always, every single time I talk to you, uh, by the time I'm done, I'm smarter than when I started. So, no, feeling uh, mutual, man. It is uh, very much appreciated. So, in the time that it took me to, uh, to post the interview and to you know kind of organize the segments here uh <laughs> DeChambeau with a seven on 13 so a double bogey 
and DeChambeau uh, shit in the bed already. So, plus I had to get a bet in for my brother. He wanted uh, Shoffley, uh, and it actually posted live. So he put his money on Shoffley at plus six fifty. So, and uh, and Shoffley thus far is doing pretty well. Three birdies and three holes, as I mentioned. So, uh, we'll see. Again, you know, it's Masters week weekend. You know, what can you do. Uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on before I got into um, uh, more gambling, uh, the the Wendy's Twitter feed. If you're not familiar with Wendy's Twitter page, please uh, go take a look at it because it's fucking hilarious. Like whoever is in charge here uh, is, is fucking funny, very funny. So bravo. Wendy's. I have nothing really to say about it. Like the Iron Sheik tweeted something today. Or was it yesterday? Like for whatever reason. Because there's another funny Twitter page. The Iron Sheik. I don't even think it's actually the Iron Sheik. I think it's one of his managers. But whatever. He said, "Uh, hello Wendy's. Where's the beef? Talk to me Bubba. To which Wendy's replies, hey Bubba, the beef is in our cheeseburgers, which are great. Unlike that jabroni Hogan. Yeah, it's just so good. It's so so good. It's funny, you know. It's 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 just very funny, and I enjoy it. So, um. Anyways, plus there's a bunch of other shit. Like people will will, will tweet shit at Wendy's, like when something's wrong with their food. <laughs> like, like here's a picture of this chicken sandwich. It's fucking gross. There's mold on my. Uh, my bun. Uh, this this one here, but it was a fucking. Uh, let's see. My mom was about to take a drink, a sip of her drink. She found receipt no, receipts. Well, actually, <laughs> receipts. Uh, it's supposed to say receipts, but the person spelled recipes. Meh. Anyways, she found receipts, paper towels, and plastic in her drink. <laughs> like, and the picture is fucking awful. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, boy. Anyways, do yourself a favor and uh, go to the uh, the Wendy's uh, Twitter page. It's very funny. Oh, there's an old picture of the salad bar or the with the Wendy's garden spot. Oh man. Now look. Uh little well, it's probably not little known, but you know, it's known. Uh your humble host's first real job was working in Wendy's at a brand new Wendy's, Rainham, Massachusetts, nineteen ninety four. I was paid $4.75 an hour, which at the time was 50 cents more per hour than the minimum wage of four and a quarter. Why, you ask, did I get paid 50 cents more? Well, your boy decided that he was going to open the store Saturday and Sunday. So for an extra 50 cents per hour, I had to be at Wendy's at roughly 7.30 on Saturday and Sunday morning when I was 16 years old. I managed to do it for quite a while. It was pretty interesting. 
You go and you fucking sweep up the parking lot, wash the windows, change the trash, cut onions, cut tomatoes. You have your lunch at fucking 9.30. The store opens at 10. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah. Like 9.30 to 10 was break time. The store opened at 10.30. Off we went. I was usually there till 2. Out. Yeah, Wendy's. Good time. It's a good time. It was a bunch of, you know, it was a bunch of kids, really. And uh, did that for, I think I did that for like a year and a half or so. And I went to a, a far shittier uh, fast food establishment in a mall, which was fucking cool. A lot of chicks. Yeah, chicks, man. But uh, yeah, the garden spot. There was like one person who was in charge of like filling the uh, the salad bar, the garden spot, I'm sorry, uh, every day. So you had to change the ice. And when you look up, you look back on it now, like, good God, is that not at all sanitary? That's probably why, you know, there was no, uh, there was no Rona back in, you know, the early 80s. And somebody, somebody underneath that picture, I got the worst food poisoning I've ever had from one. Ugh, get out of here. Fucking clown show. Um, yeah, how about that for a little way back machine? 1994, great year, man. 90s. The 90s were terrific. Big fan of the 90s, huh? No. Um, anyways, let's talk gambling. So, the best bets from last week, all three of us lost. So, the, the records on the season, uh, Scott Banksley still holding a commanding lead at 6-2-1. and one. Uh, Myself and Jack Fraudley Jr., Jackie Fraudley Jr., I apologize, uh, coming in at three and six, three and a half games back. Uh, Scott will probably have this wrapped up in a couple of weeks. So, um, Scott's best bet: the 49ers plus ten. Dave's best bet is the Saints, the 49ers' opponent minus ten. I told Scott, well, I told them that I was taking the Saints, and Scott instantly chimed in. Oh, I'll take the opposite. Uh, fuck you, Scott. <laughs> the, the thing is, is he's probably going to win, so. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Jack went with the Titans minus one tonight. So he's back on the Thursday night bandwagon for some reason. I think the Titans, I, I, don't, I don't hate that pick. I think the Titans win. I think they're pissed off that they lost last week, so curious to see how that goes, but. Um, so yeah, anyways, look, watch golf this weekend, get very excited, should be fun. Um, the Patriots, uh, I don't know what they're going to do. They're probably going to give up 8,000 yards on the ground to Baltimore, so see how that goes. But uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, hopefully the interview was better than the rest of the, uh, of the show because, you know, the rest of the show is terrible. Talked about uh, too much golf. I uh, hope you enjoyed my intro. Intro music, it's just fun. I enjoy doing it. But um, but that's it. Listen, uh, you can go to the um, the Twitter page at Complaints Pod, and go to the Facebook page, which uh, I don't really you know do much with, but because fuck Facebook, uh, YouTube page I don't do anything with. I have an email address: showmail at complaintsandobservations.com. There's a call in line six one seven sixty five. Rip them. 
give me a call, leave a voicemail, be on the show. I also have an Instagram page at ComplaintsPod where you can enter to win some free swag. The giveaway will be Monday. I will announce the winner on the show on Monday. I will probably post uh, a video with the with the cool thing. There's like a, a a website where you can like put in a bunch of names and it's like a wheel. We'll spin or show you like you know who won. So that's going to take up some time. Probably have to do that on Sunday. But um, yeah, that's it. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you very much for listening. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Godspeed. Ta-ta.